Welcome to Real Love, Real Talk, presented by Start Strong. If you're new here, we're happy to have you. And if not, we're happy you came back. On today's episode, our peer leaders will discuss some of their favorite songs about love and relationships using our sound nutrition label to assess how healthy or unhealthy those songs are. Stick around for a great show today. Some of the topics in this episode can be triggering to listeners due to content about violence and injustice. Additionally, this podcast contains profane and explicit language. Please take care of yourselves and if needed, reach out to a trusted adult, friend, or family member. The young people in these episodes have a long-standing working relationship with Start Strong and have experience discussing these sensitive topics with trained staff. If you are concerned about your relationship or have concerns about a friend or a family member, please refer to a local agency or visit thehallsboston.com for more information. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Start Strong Real Love Real Talk podcast. My name is Janae. And I'm Koo, and today we're going to talk about the Sound Nutrition label. Um, McKaylee, could you please introduce the audience to that for us, please? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is McKaylee. I'm 15 and I'm in 10th grade. I'm going to describe the nutrition label for you guys. The nutrition label is an important tool you can use when listening to some of your favorite songs. The label is split into two categories, the healthy and unhealthy. It makes us realize some things in songs that are normalized in society but aren't always healthy. The topic isn't important because the songs we listen to can be so influential in our lives, especially if it's our favorite song. It's probably our favorite song for a reason, and we may relate to the lyrics a lot, but we should assess the song. And if the unhealthy outweighs the healthy, we should rethink applying those behaviors in our lives and relationships. Thank you so much for that amazing description, McKaylee. So like McKaylee mentioned, the label is divided into two categories. So Franca, would you mind like talking a little bit about what the two sections are and maybe some of the ingredients? Yes, Janae. My name is Franca. I am 15 years old. I'm in 10th grade. I'm going to list out a few of the ingredients listed under the healthy category. The ones that stood out to me was respect, equality, and trust. And the ones that are not healthy that stood out to me were drama, disrespect, and manipulation. Could you name any songs in, out in the past year that you would think weighed heavier on the unhealthy side? Your Mind Still. That song is possession, it's possession and drama. It's all the things toxic. It's <laughs> this and that. He says a lot of things talking about, like, tell that nigga you're still mine. Like, you're not going anywhere. That's possession. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's like, don't go him. build no life me because you mad still. I'm like, whoa, yeah. toxic. <laughs> <laughs> if I move on, then I move on. Sorry. Literally, let me go. <laughs> Are there any songs right now that you would think would score heavier on the healthy side? Um, Perfect by Ed. I feel like uh, that's Ed such Sharon. a respectful... Yeah. Yes, he be bumping. <laughs> really be doing that respecting the female that he's with and like singing about her beauty and like all of that stuff mm. a lot of healthy stuff in that song <laughs> yes we love to hear it so we just want to thank you before we even get further into the episode both franca and mckaylee 
for you all just giving us a little bit of one info about the Sound Nutrition label and also a little bit of your insight. So today for our debrief, we are also joined by Kelly, who is a Start Strong alum. Introduce yourself, Kelly. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So I've been with Start Strong for, since the eighth grade and about to enter. I'm in my senior year of college, so it really says a lot about how impactful Start Strong is. So I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. But yes, uh, um, you all definitely mentioned some of the great categories I like to discuss throughout these podcasts. I felt like a lot of the things that you labeled under the healthy aspect um, like respect and some sorts is definitely something that needs to be addressed and even in the unhealthy aspects like some of the songs that we listen to that's unhealthy that we be thinking is like bops it's like wow I really listen to this like this is really toxic so speaking of like do you think it would be under the healthy side or under the unhealthy side definitely unhealthy definitely <laughs> what is it like why do you all think that is? Like, I don't know, because we have these conversations, but then, like, the songs we listen to, they always they don't always reflect that. Why do y'all think that is? I just feel like this is what mainstream artists do now, where they just want to release all, like... I don't want to say it's relatable, because everybody's not living in a toxic, relatable lifestyle, but they just like to give the viewers something to cry for. Like, I know when I be listening to my sad songs or, like, the toxic songs, I just be like, dang, like, I ain't even in this situation and I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Yes. What about you all, like, both Franka and McKaylee? What can you say about this? It hits home. It hits different. Like, I don't know. Those upbeat songs, yeah, it'd be, like, fun or whatever. But when it comes to time, like them R&B songs and singing mm-hmm. about like, you know, talking about this nigga, your minds, like, it be tea. And it be catchy. Mm-hmm. It be catchy, yo. It do. Right. It do. And I feel like people make memes about it or something like that. So it's more entertaining if you talk about like toxic relationships rather than like healthy mm-hmm. ones. So I think a lot of it is like what people like so to hear. toxic so. trend, huh? Unfortunately, right? Really yeah. Low key, like, y'all want toxic? Y'all don't want peace? <laughs> Y'all remember that entanglement with Jada and Oh my gosh, and the song too. Yeah, and (laughs) he was like, "I want entanglement." I was like, "Excuse." Like all this, and there was so much drama behind that too. There was so much story and drama. Yeah. And then it was something that, like you said, like everyone, like people were like talking about wanting to be in. Mm -hmm. That was their goal. (laughs) Right. That was their goal. Um, can someone explain what the term hot girl means to me? Because I am just like, what is that? Are we still hot girls right now in the winter with the snow falling? With the comfy and cozy clothes on, which you still got to serve. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Serving is like, you know, like styles, right? Michaela, could you? I think it's... Oh, go ahead. Who is that? Me. Um, I think it's somebody who's like a girl who's successful mm. and independent and like even though she still thinks she's very like still outgoing she knows how to balance it out okay. mm-hmm. absolutely because like I I must say I love the term hot girl because of everything that kind of you were just talking about McKaylee I feel like when people see the term hot girl It's like a, what is that, you know? And I feel like some people could attach a lot of negative connotations about it. But, like, the fact that you were just talking about, like, you know, a woman being independent and, like, doing what she wants with her body and how she wants. um, I think that's super important. 
Right. I think of hot girl as like empowerment, like being unapologetically you, like being confident, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the same go for hot boys? Yeah. Pretty much. What is a hot boy? I mean, y'all, y'all named off y'all <laughs> independent, so I guess I'm independent. You know, I got the style, the flavor. Like, period, I can be a period. hot boy. <laughs> <laughs> period. How do y'all think that, like, that term, though, like being a hot girl or being a hot boy, like, changed how people behaved, act, think? Especially when it comes to relationships. They like in the relationship they don't take any BS and like they know what they want out of the relationship and if they're not getting that then they're like willing to step away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also know that sometimes mm-hmm. like that term in a relationship, the guy will be mad, like, Oh, don't be acting like you a hog girl or a city girl, like you know, making it sound like the term is like yeah. being a hoe or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Do y'all think there is like such thing as a hoe? Like, what is the definition of a hoe? If we can we get into that? Um, wow, Um, a garden (laughs) tool. That's a garden tool. (laughs) Right. But uh, you said a hoe is someone who sleep around. Who said that? Yeah, they just fucking everybody. I don't know. Uh huh. But I feel like the term is used too loosely. Like, if a guy is upset, they'll be like, oh, you're a hoe, just to, like, be stupid. Mm-hmm. So, would a, so would a guy yeah. be considered a hoe because he has yeah. sex with too many girls? Yeah. The same way a girl is a hoe if she has too many sex with a guy? It should be right? like that, but it's not always seen like mm, that. It's the double standard Why do y'all think me? that is? Right. I was about to say, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Because I, and I think, I feel like I asked that too because I, I feel like a lot of songs, especially rap songs, they're always calling specifically women like hoes and it and it be because of acts such as like sleeping around too much but what is too much or what is too many partners um and so do you all think that like effects of men calling women hoes in songs all the time do you think that it makes a difference that it doesn't make a difference or an impact young boys are listening to that they're gonna be like oh like this is how you talk to females like i don't gotta respect them i don't gotta do none of that because all these songs got Mm. this and that about females and they just Mm -hmm. gonna be like grow up to not give a shit so basically like anybody Mm. who's listening is they role models basically like this is my idol right here like if if such and such said you a hoe, then hey, you a hoe. You a hoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like so we were talking about like being a hoe is like sleeping around, but what is sleeping around? Like, what is sleeping around? Is it just having sex with a lot of people? Like, is that just what it is? Or so can hot girls be hoes? Or is that like different from the aspect I mean, of being a hoe and a hot girl? I feel like they could be. It just depends on how you like use the term hot girl. Okay. Like if you like want it yourself to be more successful then but like you can do as you please if you want to like what's the difference i feel like city girls are more to their bag like i feel like hot girl is more like about having fun but city girls they like fuck niggas to that bag period mm-hmm, okay period, period. <laughs> period. <laughs> kelly do you have anything to add i think when it comes to media and songs and things like that a lot of uh, lyrics they talk about girls and hoes and how it's bad when girls have high body counts um so then I feel like when girls hear that message they kind of like they're kind of taken aback a little they're like oh guys won't like me if I have a high body count 
So I got to be mindful of that and kind of pretend like I'm innocent. I don't like sex or whatever. But then on the other hand, for guys, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like praised upon if they like sex or if they have a high body count. So I feel like that double standard there is kind of unfair and it's not very healthy for that. Because like everyone likes sex. It's natural, but it's just different on how it's perceived by me. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, I agree. I feel like it's kind of not right that males could have a high body count and females can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because just... I thought... Like... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, we are human. That's all at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Right. What do, what do you all think, McKaylee and Franco, when, when talking about, like, when songs talk about body count, sex, like, who can enjoy it, pleasure? Like, what, what are some of the things that the themes that you're seeing in the songs that like if if a nigga does it it's appreciated but if a girl does it it's like i don't know like a virus was dropped on the work i don't even know they make a big deal out of it and it just don't make no sense because there's all songs like cardi b and megan they you know they make nasty songs and they get a lot of hate for it which doesn't make sense because when guys do it, they're like, oh, this is a right. good song, da 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 like, oh, you really be bagging that many hoes. <laughs> and we see a lot of that when, like, WAP came out and how everyone was responding oh to God. it. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, like, WAP was, like, right. a crazy, like, you know, moment. Like, wow. Yeah, everyone was like, oh, yeah, why is she talking about her pussy mm-hmm. like that? But then I'm like, every rapper sings about, like, Yes. getting head you know like smashing every girl but it's one song and everyone's making and plus there's like, w- no been way more crazier songs than this so this is nothing yeah. new exactly do you think and that really go ahead like, oh i really didn't like how the moms were like oh like you can't be putting out songs like mm. this like, and cardi had to say mm-hmm. like yo i'm not the mother like she should look up to you or he should look up to you like your child should not be looking up to me mm-hmm. like, that's not i'm like i totally agree with cardi because right. y'all are maybe you shouldn't be having your kids listen to these things because you should know like as a mom you're not gonna want your kid to listen to this right you should know right. what's out there do you what do you all think of the publicity that WAP got versus the publicity that Throat Baby got. What do you all think? Do you think it was different? Do you feel like people even had a response? Like a similar response to both of them? I think WAP was like everywhere world like as far as the world but like Throat Baby was like more of like a big thing on TikTok. Mm. I didn't really Mm -hmm. think of it outside of TikTok to be honest. But TikTok Uh, all over the world. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess we can end it with this. Um for both you for both you Franca and McKaylee, I would like to hear your thoughts um about how important you think it is for people to think critically about the music that they listen to. Do y'all think that people should think critically about the music they listen to? No. Mm, because I'll I say like that. I'll continue to listen to my toxic songs, but mm-hmm. that does not mean I'm gonna be toxic. Mm. Can you talk more about like that mm-hmm. separation? I don't. Yeah, can you talk more about that? Oh, I don't know, cause I just love, I love your monster. Like that's just my mm-hmm. favorite toxic song. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm going to continue to listen to that, to that, but I'm not about to be running between two men, boys, whatever. They're mm. boys. They say Do that little back and forth with these little boys. I'm just going to listen to the song mm-hmm. and then be like, you know what? It's a good song, but I'm not going to look up to you for that. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree with her, honestly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I agree because, like, some of the songs, well, a lot of the songs I listen to do have toxic lyrics, but, like, um, like, for example, Cry Baby, like, she talks about a lot mm-hmm. of things. Cry Baby is like, a good one. That I wouldn't agree with. <laughs> like, just, she said a lot of things about, like, her relationships and how she deals with the guys and like I sing along to that song but it's not like I would go and do that mm. in my relationship it's just a vibe it's just vibes right mm-hmm. I mean they can be vibes but it's like I mean after you go to start strong and you don't learn about this nutrition label and everything you go listen to the radio you listen to your music you like damn like that's unhealthy like but I'm still I'm gonna just turn it up a little bit <laughs> But I think you all raise a really important like part about like while you're listening to music, you're being conscious about like making sure you're not like you're able to understand the practices that are being talked about and understanding how those are unhealthy for your lives. Listen, mm-hmm. It's 2021. It's 2021. Who got time to be like, oh, let me make a healthy album and then unhealthy album like it's all vibes <laughs> <laughs> it's all vibes continuing on with this episode we're going to now switch gears and focus on staff reflections to the peer leaders conversation on the sound nutrition label i'm joined here with janae start strong alumni program director jess alder program manager sin wong and senior program manager mariam gulade thanks for being here everyone So in this episode, we talked about the Sound Nutrition label. This was a specific tool created from a white paper, a part of the American Pediatrics Association, which stated that there is a correlation between music, the music that we listen to and our behaviors. This tool was created by the original Start Strong staff, Casey, Darius, and Nicole, along with the 2009 and 2011 peer leaders. To find more tools, visit thehallsboston.com on our resources and tools page. Also want to give a shout out again to our wonderful peer leaders, Michaeli, Franca, and alumna Kelly um, for being on our podcast earlier. Yeah, and I want to give another special shout out to Kelly because she has been in our lives for almost a decade now um, and she's just absolutely wonderful. So thank you, Kelly. Period. Shout out Kelly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the aim of the Sound Nutrition Label is to encourage critical examination of our media diet, specifically related to music lyrics. We're not here to judge or admonish any of the music that we listen to. Music is amazing and powerful in the role that it plays in our lives and presents plenty of opportunities for us to connect and build relationships. A decent amount of research has actually been done on American teenagers' relationship to music and digital media at large. So American teenagers spend an astounding nine hours a day with digital technology, 
entertaining themselves with streaming video, listening to music, and playing games. Specifically, though, teens spend more time listening to music per day, so about two, two plus hours, than doing any other of these activities. And studies have shown the central importance that music plays in the lives of most young people, fulfilling social and emotional as well as cognitive needs. From music, adolescents gain information about society, social and gender roles, and expected behavior. And they use music to facilitate friendships and social interactions and to help them create their personal identity and how they want to show up in the world. A lot of the research on popular music has explored its effects on schoolwork, social interactions, mood and affect, and particularly health behavior and other behaviors of young people. Given the scientific and anecdotal evidence that music plays such a big role in young people's lives and influences many other aspects of their lives, we at Start Strong thought it was really important to keep this tool and keep working with it to start these critical conversations about the kind of music that they're listening to. Our rapport with our young people allows them uh, an opportunity to critically examine the world around them. So we often hear from our young people that one of the main reasons that they love and stay in our program is because it feels like a family. And the other reason is because we as facilitators um, and their peers create a space uh, that feels both safe and brave for them to explore and examine how they understand the world. So we had a taste of that earlier in this episode when we heard our peer leaders varying and important perspectives on the impact media has on their feelings and thoughts. Earlier in the episode, Franca mentioned that even though teens are aware that the messages in some of their favorite music are toxic, they're still listening and that they know that the messages are not a blueprint for their dating life or their relationships. I think it's important for us to highlight right now that with the sound nutrition label tool, our goal is not to stop the young people from listening to music or the music that they like, but to start a conversation to critically examine the music that they listen to and the impact that it has on them. So that brings up a bunch of different questions like, how might music inspire conformity and what role does self-awareness play? What do y'all think? So that question, Mariam, um, reminds me of something one of our young people said, Cynthia, she was leading her first ever, first ever adult training. And she opened by saying, just because adults don't take teen relationships seriously, doesn't mean serious things don't happen in teen relationships. And I liked that comment, one, because it was brilliant, um, but two, because it encouraged and reminded adults that um, not only are young people experiencing real and uh, amazing and also maybe difficult relationship experiences, but that they're experiencing those feelings for the first time. And when somebody has any sort of encounter with a new emotion, you want to turn to your friends or to social media to help you process um, all of those really big feelings. And sometimes people find those answers in media. And if they're not given the opportunity to explore the impact that those messages have or how realistic those messages are, uh, then it can create drama. And sometimes that drama can be misinterpreted as either people thinking a relationship only matters if there's drama 
Jess, I feel like what you were speaking to was young people exploring these messages in a healthy and a safe environment, which, you know, many youth programs, prevention type programs try to do. Um, and for young people to develop that sense of self-awareness, they need to have, you know, trusted adults or, you know, trusted peers to explore these kinds of messages with and to learn how to critically analyze what they're being fed through media. Back to Mariam's question about conformity and, and thinking about all the messages that kind of that that young people receive on a daily and how they, you know, of course, range from healthy to unhealthy. And so I wanted to, in acknowledging that, I wanted to frame the question of how can we think through young people balancing the like the streams of toxic messages that they that they see on a daily basis, whether it be through movies, songs, videos, um, how they like are able to navigate through those messages about relationships um, and whether they're healthy or unhealthy and what that what that shows them. Well, I really like that question, Janae, because I, I think it speaks to the heart of Start Strong because what is right for me might not necessarily be right for someone else. And it's really looking at, it's really asking our young people to critically examine the messages and how those messages align with their own values. Mm -hmm. um, when we mention critical thinking and how it aligns with our young people's values, that's not to say that uh, we're not clear about certain messaging. So consent for instance, we're not gray about that. That's a very um, cut and dry lesson. Enthusiastic yes is important when it comes to consent. Um, we have staples around what makes a relationship healthy, um, around communication, boundaries, respect, support. Um, and then of course we have conversations around unhealthy contributors. So whether there's a pattern of behavior that's being displayed and the impact that has on the people involved within that framework. That's mm -hmm. when the critical thinking and analysis <clears throat> begins. Yeah. Cause I think I was in a conversation earlier and we were talking about like positionality and how like that plays in consent. And I think that even in how positionality might play in, in like how people are able to receive the messages that they're um, that they're being given, and how they're able to have to then analyze what like their own lived experiences, and even what they've seen, and how that plays a role in then deciding like how they move forward in like what's healthy for them and what's healthy to relate to the people, and how like at its core it's kind of just you know like. I don't know. Um, like giving them the tools to to just like move forward in a healthy way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of just want to tack on to what you're saying, Janae. Um, and what I'm hearing is, you know, in the spirit of talking about relationships, that for young people to to learn how to balance these different messaging, these different messages, that you know, it's um, beneficial to to be able to process them in a space with other trusted peers or trusted adults 
um, that they have, you know, other folks to, to sound off on, to sound out, off with <laughs> their, their many different floating ideas. Um, and then from that process, they're able to adopt what feels right and what feels, you know, just right for them at that time, at that moment in time for their lives. That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Sin, your comment reminds me of an activity that we use at Start Strong that I know other agencies utilize as well. So if you're an adult working with young people, one method to extract young people's thought process uh, is an activity called values voting, mm-hmm. where the facilitator reads a statement and the young people walk to different sides of the room uh, where they are demonstrating that they agree, are neutral, or disagree with the statement. And as they explain their reasoning, young people can shift and move in that space. And then you can be curious about what that person said that inspired a change of heart or a change in thinking. And that can be a way for young people to learn from one another and to spend that time and ask themselves why, because so often we can get in a habit of just doing something to do it or because we saw other people do it and we're not aware that maybe we didn't even like that or we don't even believe that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that gives them the opportunity to reflect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And with any sort of activities and working with young people, I always like to emphasize creating community guidelines to make sure that the, the space that you're creating with the young folks, you know, is um, comfortable for them, that, you know, there's no judgment, that it's open, um, and that everyone tries to adhere as best as possible to those sorts of guidelines. Mm-hmm. And that they're, like, rooted in respect as well. Yeah. I always love, mm-hmm. like, that respect is always on community guidelines. Because even in these conversations and what you were talking about, Jess, and, like, with with values voting, like, respecting this person's, like, decision, but then also engaging in the conversation to see where they're coming from and see if there's room to, like, I don't know, expand their thinking and have them think about these things in a different way, which is also what I love Start Strong, what I love about Start Strong. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I think all of this um, individual work around attitudes and values and um, priorities with young people is so important because we acknowledge that we acknowledge that when we're working um, on topics as large as healthy relationships, interpersonal um, behaviors, we have to work at multiple levels of the socioecological model. Um, which runs all the way from like policy and social norms all the way down to like the individual level and something like being able to change the content of all songs or all music videos that's really far out of like our um, sphere of influence that's something also that if we were to work towards and is something that can be worked towards through like activism and advocacy or people um, who are like who want the same things who are in positions of power, it's a longer term goal. Like getting, making a difference in terms of what the media represents is a longer term goal. But in the shorter term, it's really important to equip young people with the tools to think critically, to um, to evaluate how things from the outside external world match up with their values. And so the sustainable behavior change 
can be achieved from both sides of the socio-ecological model. And, um, and those two components can work together and one in more of the short term um, and to deal with like things that happen as young people grow up and more with the one more on the long term through like generations or through just years, like a longer, a longer term scope. Mm-hmm. Love it. You said that perfectly, Mariam. Yeah. Cause like you're getting at that. It's like societal and that it's bigger. Mm-hmm. It did make me think about the value of intergenerational work and uh, sometimes there can be a disconnect amongst adults and young people um, in processing information and in recognizing the variety of approaches that are used. So what I did as a young person is different than what young people are doing today. And that's not only because of technology, but um, a lot of factors contribute to individuals' decision-making. And there's value in sharing perspectives and lessons learned. Um, And there's also value in adults creating a space so that young people can continue to be experts in their own lives. Mm -hmm. And that one of the gifts that we can give as educators is not to, not to stop ourselves in sharing what works for us, but to invite young people in sharing what does work for them. Why does it work that way? And how can we build on the shared expertise in order to walk with the young person and getting to their goal and choosing the right option for them? They did a good job capturing the impact of double standards, how messaging for young men is different for our young women and now presently how the script is being flipped for young women to really step into their power. Uh, And it made me think about what messages are missing for our young men. And I think folks can, can quickly think of how we want to empower our young women and that we want to remind them that their voice is valuable and important, but that the conversation is missing for our young men and Mm. uh, um, that the value of empathy and listening and being vulnerable uh, and, and redefining manhood to escape the social constructs that masculinity is constrained by yeah because i because i feel like like this tool like wow like yes it's supposed to like help people like identify what they're seeing like immediately with what they're like viewing and of course we tie it to relationships but i also feel like it's important to like create room to like um like address the like social I don't know like the the social implications like the social impacts that impact how people are viewing like I don't know that people are like how people are even like listening to the music that they're listening to viewing the the videos that they're watching does that make sense like of course we have to tie it back to the tool but I think that like it's important to acknowledge the like bigger picture and I just appreciated Jess's comment and question that's all yeah 
that's all I was gonna say. And I think that's what's lacking, in my opinion, from um, you know just messaging for our young men is, you know, what does it look like for them to be vulnerable to to wholly accept you know that side of themselves, the quote unquote more emotional side of them, the more sensitive side of themselves, um, and how just how can they live that truth without you know fear of like persecution or bullying or what have you sorry i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) essentially how how can our young men live their true selves live you know fully in their emotions and be able to express themselves in that kind of way without fear of being bullied or ostracized or you know just not belong anymore because they're not fitting uh, a cookie cutter role yeah and and reclaiming it as a strength when it, in my opinion I think there's tremendous strength in vulnerability and emotional awareness and uh, oftentimes it, it's seen as weak or even diminutive if a young person shows vulnerability it can be misconstrued as weakness and uh there's there's power and emotions are powerful and understanding them and learning how they can drive decisions is worthwhile this is to me like a question of like so like long term versus short term like in the current situation in our lived experience right now like of course the way that feels empowering to someone like Cardi B to, as a woman is to like embody some of these like stereotypically like male valued things. Like I do what I want because yeah. And like that, the, 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 like the longer term work is like readjusting again, our values, like, and, and, and prioritizing values of empathy and kindness and comfort with vulnerability and like, humanness in general across all genders but like for the music that's coming out in this current um experience like this current reality and for the music that young people are listening to of course that feels empowering yeah there's understanding like you said the short term and also the long term and encouraging young people to investigate why is hot girl summer so powerful what makes it powerful what's it being equated to what does that mean is this the only definition of power what else would we like to include and continuing the conversation because it's curiosity never Mm. ends it shouldn't end and that's the purpose of critical analysis during the conversation we had a moment where we shifted accountability to parents and guardians upon reflection we realized that this shift in accountability can be problematic. What is important to consider when reflecting on supporting our young people? There are so many powers that be that contribute to like what is released in media, what is released in songs, what is popular in music. When you shift the accountability to parents to like shelter their child from something or prevent them from seeing these things that are readily available, it's not sustainable. And I think that that's the argument that we make when we for a lot of our programming at Start Strong is like, it is more sustainable. It is more uh, meaningful to establish the life skills of like analytical thinking and critical listening and strong individual values in our young people 
or within young people so that whether it's the song that they're listening to or the movie that they watch or the thing that they're hearing from their neighbor or the story of their first relationship, they can apply those skills to all of those things, all of those situations. And they don't have to like hide from what we know is problematic and exists in the world. Or we don't have to ask somebody else to like, while we work out some of these like social norms and and policy things and values, like they are equipped with the tools to deal with them. Yeah, I thought that was perfectly said. Definitely well said. The only thing I'd want to add is it can be, it can feel scary when having difficult or challenging conversations, especially around taboo topics. And sometimes that means we don't because of that, because we're afraid maybe we'll say the wrong thing or maybe uh, we'll give the wrong impression. And one strategy that we use at Start Strong is to uh, shift the game so that the young people are taking leadership around problem solving. And that's when question asking can become really valuable. I feel like I say that phrase a lot. That's when question asking is a helpful tool because it's asking the young person to participate in exploring options. And anyone can ask questions, whether you're a teacher or a youth worker or an aunt when you have a chance to engage with a young person and they ask you why or um, why do we think this is happening, flipping the script and saying, why do you think that's happening? What do you think is going on that does X, Y, and Z? Because chances are they've, they're asking because they want to know if what they're thinking is correct and there aren't always correct answers. And so when we open that up, we can tease out what their thinking process is. And in turn, they're learning about how they think. Thanks, everybody. This was a great conversation opportunity to further unpack the peer leaders discussion earlier in the episode. Shout out again to McKaylee, Franca, and our alumna Kelly for sharing their wisdom. If you want to learn more about Start Strong, visit us at thehallsboston.com. Thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website and download the Sound Nutrition label. Listen to some of your favorite songs and do your own assessment. Remember to like, share, and comment wherever you get your podcasts.